Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Sharon Moore, and I'm one of your hosts. And on this podcast, we talk to Hoffman graduates about how their courageous journey inward impacted their personal lives, but also how it impacted their community and the world at large. So tune in and listen in and hear how our graduates' authentic selves, how their love, how their spirits are making a positive impact on our world today. In other words, get to know their love's everyday radius. All right. So welcome back, everybody. Today, my guest is Tamar Geller. Talk about a person who is using her unique calling, her unique gift to make our world a better place. Let me just start with this. Oprah Winfrey named her the life coach for dogs and their people. Tamar is the founder of the Love Dog Method, which she developed 30 years ago, and this was based on her experience as an intelligence officer in the Israeli Special Forces and from time observing wolves. Can't wait to hear about that, people. She has provided insight and training to millions of dog enthusiasts. She is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Love Dog, The Playful, Non-Aggressive Way to Teach Your Dog Good Behavior. Tamar deeply, deeply cares about our world. She's created the Loved World Foundation and Operations Heroes and Hounds, where she provides deep transformation for both injured members of the United States military and sheltered dogs. I can go on and on. Let's pause there and welcome Tamar. Tamar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. It's such a pleasure and an honor being with you. I'm so excited to have you. Now, I am just so... um, enamored by how your gift, your natural gift has become this vehicle to make a positive impact in the world. And I'm curious, how did this connection with dogs start for you? (laughs) So obviously we all know about uh, the fact that we are spirits who have a human experience. And when you go to Hoffman, you really learn how to connect with your spirit. And funny enough, spirit was guiding me before I even knew about the concept of spirit in in the driver's seat. So what happened was when I was an intelligence officer with the elite special forces in Israel, we found out that I have a gift where I can pay attention to the non-important things, meaning people would say something, people would do something. So I was very attuned to behavior. And when I finished my service, I went down to the Israeli desert to help with behavior research of uh, wild wolves. I was just doing it in order to just to kill time because I was going to go. My plan was to go to university to become a psychologist, to continue with behavior um, with people. I wanted to be a researcher. While I was there in the desert, I had a dream. And the dream said in Hebrew, you need to work with dogs. And I was a dog liker. I wasn't a dog lover. I was not, you know, I was not in love with every dog. I did not feel for, you know, the plight, the dogs. I mean, I just thought they were cute and fun. That was it. But one thing led to another and doors opened for me as long as I walked on that path of serving dogs. It's a long story, but um, I found myself in United States after I was given a ticket 
And I just said, okay, let me volunteer with the dog trainer here. And I volunteered and he got a call from a fancy part of town from a guy who said, oh, I've already been to three dog trainers. My dog is stealing socks. And he said to me, you go and work with him. And I said, but I'm not a dog trainer. I mean, I understand behavior. I studied wolves, but I'm not a dog trainer. And he goes, you just go, go. I don't want, I don't have the patience to deal with him. So I went there and um, the guy who opens the door for me was like long hair, curly hair, very sweet. And I was looking at this relationship with the dog and he was so sweet. But then very clearly it became evident that he's working from home. That was years ago. And the only time the dog could get his attention was when he was stealing socks. So I just, instead of making the dog wrong and try to correct him as dog trainers have done, I said, here is the need. The need is for attention. The need is for true connection. The need is for your presence. I said, let me show you the games that the wolves play with each other so you can actually feed the need of the dog and satiate him so he would not have to steal socks anymore. And within a couple of days, we solved the problem. And it turns out that the guy was the amazing musician, Kenny G. Uh, all of a sudden, I would start getting calls from his friends. So Goldie Hawn called me and Whoopi Goldberg and one actress named Nicolette Sheridan, who years later introduced me to Oprah when Oprah came to be a guest on a show called Desperate Housewife that Nicolette was on. At the time, I was already the resident dog expert for the Today Show. And when Oprah saw Nicolette and her three-month-old golden retriever, Oliver, who was so in tune with Nicolette on the set, uh, so connected, so devoted, so she wanted to meet. And I was very blessed that she invited me into her home and into to be a part of her life and the dog's life and to go and be on her show a few times. So it's, it's completely spirit-guided. And then when I wrote my book, she launched it for me. I mean, she has been my angel, but it's truly spirit-guided. I could not have done it in my own will that well. I mean, spirit is truly incredible when we have the courage, I feel, to change our plans, to be more in a place of, um, here is my plan, but what do you want me to do? Yeah, surrender. <laughs> so, but, but so you say this from hindsight. In hindsight, you say, hey, spirit was in the driver's seat, but I didn't even know this. How did you, at what point did you realize, oh, I need to start paying attention and surrendering to spirit or letting spirit take the driver's seat? I still do every day. It's still every day I have the fight between, you know, it's a combination of my intellect who thinks knows better and my dark side who is pumping me with fears. So it's still a tightrope act of choosing spirit and choosing not to know and choosing service above all, serving dogs and serving through the dog, serving people. So it's every day. You see, one thing I'm very blessed with is that I have no doubt what my purpose in this life is and that my life is about service. I know that my life is not about 
acquiring things. Uh, you know, it's I'm not getting excited about a new purse or a new pair of shoes. It just doesn't excite me. What excites me is to see transformation, transformation of dogs, to see dogs who were traumatized in the name of training. Like I have here right now with me a dog that was sent for six weeks to a trainer in Southern California. And her mom, who actually is a Hoffman graduate as well, her mom called me and she said, can you please come and show us what to do? They're in Southern, they are like in much south of here. We cannot meet with them. And when I heard the training that was called positive training, but it was as far away from positive as it can be, I said, I really cannot help you because I cannot teach you how to reinforce what they've done. That's not my method. And she said, please come, please come. So I came over to the house and I was there and I was crying. I was just, I started to cry. I'm doing it for over 30 years and I still cry, you know, and because you saw a scared dog, you see a puppy. She was about three and a half months old and you see somebody did a number on her spirit, on her you know, you see a traumatized dog and she knew it and she felt horrible. And we had to keep, I would not take her to be with me. Uh, sometimes I take dogs for, we call it training vacation when they become my dog for a period of time. And I said, I can't, she's too traumatized. Love on her, love on her no matter what. Let her make all the mistakes in the world. Even if she is peeing on the pillow that you sleep in, do not correct. We now have to help her sympathetic nervous system to come back to center. It, her, her nervous system is like somebody who's, you know, was abused severely. And then after a week of that, she came to me and I started building that little puppy up. So you see, when I'm here in a place of service, I ask a dog in a way I'm doing a quadrinity check with them. What it is, little doggy, that you need? What does your intellect need? What does your, your emotions need? What is your body need? And can you please help your spirit to guide me so I can guide you? You know, so I'm here to serve. So whenever I meet a dog or a person, I'm immediately looking at how can I serve? Because Sharon, when you think about it, there are so many dogs out in the world. And from all the dogs in the world, we all choose that one dog. And that one dog is becoming our teacher. You know, and for me, learning from a dog, it's kind of like, you know, in Hoffman we learn we have the right path, we have the left path, right? There are many ways we can get, you know, the lessons that we came here to, to learn. And learning through dogs... I find it to be one of the sweetest way. So that woman had to learn to trust her own gut because she knew. Yeah. And this is where my head went. As you said, you know, I'm, I'm here for service, which I, it rings so true for me. And then you said, I'm here for service for transformation of dogs. And I was wondering, how does that connect to the transformation of their parents, of their humans? You said to her, love on her. But what if that human has her own patterns that are getting in the way of her being able to love on her dog? Which luckily, that wasn't the issue. We all have patterns, obviously. So um, in that case, that was not the pattern. The pattern that I saw is self-doubt. 
the pattern that I saw is standing up and saying to somebody who called themselves professional to say, nah, I'm not going to let you do that. And, and I think we all have to learn to do it. You know, one of the beautiful things that I've learned in the Hoffman process is when one of the teachers told me, Tamar, what if you are not the crazy one? And I was like, what? But I'm the screwed up one. I mean, that's why I'm here. I know that I'm the, I'm, I am the one with the issue. And it's not that I don't have patterns and issues and whatnot, but what if I'm not the most screwed up one the way my family wanted to make me feel? What if it's not the truth? So in a way, that was kind of like there where you are right. And sometimes it is right to stand up to authority, to the professional, to question them, even if you're going to be disliked. Yeah. So here are, you know, to take this example, but I imagine this is applicable for many people you serve. Not only do they get a dog who is, like you say, devoted to them and behaving beautifully, but they have had a chance to have their own transformation. In this woman's situation, it was, oh, I overcame self-doubt or, oh, I overcame my belief that if you are a professional, you're right and I'm not, or I ignore my own boundaries because you're the quote unquote professional. So she got to overcome that plus get a dog who is now well-behaved and devoted to her. Now a dog who is the best version of herself. And that's the other thing. I think that half in half when, when we all come to do the process, you are not trying to make us all one size fits all, right? You are not trying to make us all behave the same way. What the Hoffman process is profoundly effective is helping each one of us to become the best version of ourselves, right? And that is what I'm doing with dogs. I am helping each dog become the best version of themselves, not one size fits all. And I'm really, my goal, and that's what my service in this world is, for people to start looking at dogs and understanding them the way we should understand each other. And the reason why is, is because not only scientifically we know the dog proce dogs process, process information cognitively and emotionally the way people or the way toddlers do, so they're really more like us than, than we realize, and that's scientifically. But it's also, you know, we all live in a society where everybody have, we, I call it the, the normal paradox. We all think that our way of beliefs, this is the normal, this is the normal way, this is the right way. And everybody who is different is the other. And I feel that it's much easier to forgive dogs for behavior or beliefs than to forgive another person. And therefore, I look at dogs as our training wheels, meaning dogs come from a different culture. In their culture, when you meet somebody, you jump on them, right? In our society, we do not believe the dogs should jump on us. So... Here is a dog come from one culture. Should we make them wrong from coming from that culture? Or should we kindly, compassionately teach them how does it work in our culture? You know, I'm from Israel, obviously. I'm a foreigner here. And when I first came here and I started making, started making friends, 
I remember the first shopping spree that I went with a bunch of new girlfriends. And we went to a store and everybody was trying clothes on. And one of the girlfriends came out and asked everybody, does this outfit make me look fat? And everybody said, no, no, no. And when she came to me, I said, yes, because it made her look fat. And everybody agreed it made her look fat, but everybody said, no, no, no. And everybody started giggling because they were uncomfortable. And I realized that I made a faux pas. But again, in my culture in Israel, we are known for our directness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't I know that? Right? I happen to know that as well. Yeah. Right? So this is our culture. So I'm coming to an American culture where being direct is a no-no. So now what do I do? And I was experiencing a lot of stress at that moment. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I experienced fear because I was like, boy, what do I do? So if I won't have friends, that means I have to become a liar. I cannot be a liar. So does it mean I'm going to have to be lonely with no friends? You know, maybe I have to not stay in the United States, but I love my work with the dogs. What You understand, it's like you go into, you know, a whole vicious cycle. Well, actually, where I went in that, it's funny, you, you, you went into yourself, oh my goodness, I got stressed, I got ashamed, I got fearful, which I completely understand. But where I went was that the other people, the friends, if only they had had dogs as their training wheels, right, they would have known not to make you wrong. They would have known, oh, that's a different culture or that's a different way of being. It's not wrong. It's just different. Like you said, through our work with dogs, we get to work on this compassionate, understanding, empathetic, open-mindedness. Right. You've kind of rocked my world with that because I don't use, you know, I'm, I'm very people oriented, but to imagine, and then I think of my relationship with my dog and sometimes I get so mad. And if I was to actually look what happened there, it is a total power struggle. It's that, well, he's not listening to me. And this baby, this child of mine comes out like, why aren't you listening to me? I feel so invisible. That's on me. That is, well, that is so beautiful what you just said. And what the dog is trying to communicate to you is, can you please do a quadrinity check on me? Because I'm trying to communicate with you where I can't. Can you please try to understand what I need right now? Do I need you to touch me more or do I need you not to touch me? Do I need you to comfort me? Do I need you, you you understand? So it's kind of like you really got to do a quadrinity check intellectually, emotionally, physically with them and and to see what is the need and, and try to find a way to teach them how to meet that need, that ask in a way that fits in a human culture which is a different way of meeting that need or that ask in a doggy culture. And I feel that as a world, if we can learn how not to blame the dog, the most common way people blame the dog, which they learn, it's, I'm, again, I'm not blaming people because they have learned it by watching TV and hearing it for decades, is they call the dog stubborn, stupid, or dominant. I call it the SSD disease that people have been hypnotized into believing about their precious angels, their dogs, which is wrong. And it's wrong to think that your dog want to dominate you, that the dog wants to, 
You need to be the master. They need to be submissive. They need to be obedient. No. The purpose of dogs in our life, from my point of view, is to help us become the best version of ourselves by us helping them become the best version of themselves. It's uh, very difficult for me not to apply this to people in general because um, even what you just said, not to blame dogs. Well, I mean, how often do we blame others in general instead of look at ourselves, instead of look at the opportunity, instead of look and like you to use your term, this is my training wheel. Something's up for me here. I need to learn about it. That's exactly right. And instead of looking, you are blah, blah, you are dominant, you're stubborn, you're stupid to say, wait a minute, first of all, let me calm myself down, let me breathe and let me smile. Even if it's the most fake smile, as you know, it calms the nervous system down. So the first thing, if the dog is triggered, if the child is triggered and the parent is triggered, it's just not going to go anywhere. So we as the parents <laughs> to the dog, P-A-W, rents. I was just going to spell paw, P-A-W, paw rents. Paw rents to the dog. We first have to calm ourselves down because we are both, us and the dog, have a trigger nervous system. So one of the things that I'm doing in my method, that is the first thing that I teach every dog and every parent, is how to manage ourselves when we are triggered. And how to physically, how to literally take steps to calm the nervous system down. So I just walked with a celebrity client and her dog, and she cannot afford her dog to be aggressive because she's very famous, people know her. And the dog is very aggressive when he's on a walk. And I showed her how I literally sing to the dog. I taught him before. I teach a behavior where I teach a dog how to manage the impulse control and I use words that I sing it to them. So she and I went for a walk and we saw not one, but six dogs being walked at the same time by one person. And those, those six dogs went crazy when they saw us with our one dog. It was a chaos over there. And instead of me telling the dog, no, don't, blah, 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 you know, which the dogs already was triggered, our dog. I immediately start singing to him, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And the dog, she was blown away to see how the dog was able to connect to what that song meant, which was, oh, I can ignore what's triggering me and connect with you instead, which is kind of like what you teach us in Hoffman. Do you know how when the dark side trying to run the show, how to connect to spirit, right? We are that spirit to our dogs. And spirit does not come and chastise us. Spirit comforts us. So that is what I'm doing for the dog. And, and she was blown away to see that. Now, does it take a lot of discipline to get ourselves in a place where we are not reacting? And would I suggest to go for the first time where you might run into six dogs? No, because <laughs> I also do it in stages. When I teach dogs, I teach them, I give the example like learning how to drive a car. If somebody's going to pee to you on the freeway in your first lesson, you're going to freak out. But 
if I'm going to put you in an empty parking lot, then you're going to be able to learn to hone those skills. And then little by little, you move you up to a quiet street, busy street, all the way to the freeway. So that was the equivalent of the freeway with a dog. And unfortunately for dogs and their parents and their people, they're not being taught life skills. They're taught obedience. You see, and I feel in the world, we as humans taught obedience. And when we come to Hoffman, we are taught life skills. So many amazing parallels. I would have never thought I would make these parallels with dogs. I'm, I, uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm so just, uh, I have a big smile on my face to imagine that I'm making these parallels with dogs when I work with humans so much. But um, I'm also struck by the symbiotic nature of this. You keep saying things like dogs are here to teach us. Dogs are here as messengers. Dogs are our training wheels. You know, I, you know, we often say in the process, never pass up a good pattern. That's a learning moment. And um, so not only are we here to bring out the best version of the dog, the dog is here to bring out the best version of us. We get to grow as humans in partnership with this dog. That's amazing. A hundred percent. I mean, I absolutely, God, I feel that everybody needs to do the Huffman process as the first thing on their personal growth. I always equate the Huffman process as like the soil that if you do not have a fertile soil, it doesn't matter what you put into it because it's just not going to grow to its full potential. And I look at the Huffman process as a fertile soil. And so one of the, again, from the many, many things that I got from the Huffman process is I, I believe you call it the transference where, you know, when we tell to somebody, I had a negative reaction to you and, and, and you said the person's name, at that time, and to say, I experienced you as, you know, whatever. So I'm telling people, so can you do it where you tell your dog, I experienced you, Oliver, that's my dog's name, my golden retriever. I experienced you, Oliver, as, um, you know, as distant, as, um, you know, not caring when he doesn't come to me, when I'm calling him, which with my dog, it doesn't happen, but I'm just giving an example. You're in the dog park and you call your dog and your dog stops, stops playing, looking at you and like, um, push the ignore button. I'm not, call, I'm not answering that call. Yes. Most people lose their mind. Most people become angry. Now, if you go, why they're angry, they're not angry because they didn't come to them. All these myriad of emotions coming in which is you don't respect me, you don't care about me, all of that. And that is the pattern that is the opportunity to take a look at, right? Yes. People, this is amazing. I don't know how many listeners have dogs and how many listeners are graduates, but for those of you who have both dogs and are graduates, what she's telling us here is that our dogs are these uh, wells of learning moments of, whoa, there's a pattern write that pattern down and work on it. They get to reflect back to us how we can become better people by identifying our patterns. I love that you literally brought in transference into your relationship with the dog. That is incredible because what do you get out of the transference? You get more patterns. You get more awareness as the human, as the par parent. You get some more clarity on what you need to work on. What a gift. And then you go into your relationship with humans with a little bit more healing that already took place. You know, because I think with people, people play games. We don't really, we don't always know the true intention of people, right? But with dogs, dogs don't play games. 
Dog don't play games. So if they are not doing something that you want them to do, or if they are doing something that you would like them to stop, you first need to do a quadrinity check in a way to find out what is the ask. And then to see what am I not giving to the relationship. So you really have to do as the grown up to show up. And particularly this time more than ever in, 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 in our history, our current history, we really need to build connection and community. And the first place to build connection and community is with our beloved dogs. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. Tamar, this is, this is so powerful. <laughs> so many good things. We're coming to the end of our time together, but from the beginning uh, with you talking about the spirit-led life and how it was already happening and when it happened, so many doors opened. It sounded like it was this buttery experience for you where it's like door after door after door was opening because you surrendered. And then to hear about your commitment that every single day you do the work to surrender to spirit. That's important for us to know also. This isn't like you arrive and then you just sit back. You arrive and you maintain. You know, life every day is still, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm definitely not experiencing easy life, but I'm feeling a purpose-filled life. Yes. And then you've inspired us to think about our relationships with our animals, with our loved ones, and include dogs in uh, the equation as we continue to grow as humans. It's, that's an incredibly, that's such a new concept for me. I, I love it. And I'm a dog owner, so... so You're not a dog owner? Ooh, I'm getting called out. This is good. I am a dog partner. I am... Parent. Parent, of course. I am a You're dog. parenting the dog. You're raising the dog. You do not own. I know. How, who, where did that come from? You're absolutely right. I take it back. I am a dog parent. Those who are dog owners, I, I do not think that they are part of the way we view the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And I, I have to admit, I have not used my relationship with my dog as um, an awareness tool for what patterns I need to work on. And you just invited me to do that. And I'm giving you my word. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I feel very inspired. What kind of dog do you have? We all want to know. Chowini, I think it was, uh, we, we, we saved him from the fire. He's seven pounds. He's really cute. And I have to admit, I was not raised with animals. I, you said I wasn't a dog lover. I was a dog liker. I don't even know I was a dog liker. I'm a people lover. I love people. You are. And, um, so to think that the dog is a ticket to, 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 is a, is a avenue to deeper relationship with myself and with people and that they are here to serve in that way. And I'm here to serve for them. What, what a beautiful way to, what a beautiful way to strengthen a relationship with a dog. Yeah. We need to thank spirit for that, right? Yes, absolutely. This dog was certainly brought to me. It was spirit led. That's for sure. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I just want to say thank you. You're so passionate. And so that's exactly the words I would have used too, is I'm in the presence of somebody who is living out their purpose a hundred percent. It is palpable. It is inspirational. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for giving us this time. Thank you for impacting so many people by honoring your spirit and honoring your work in the world. Well, thank you for having me on. I mean, to be on the Hoffman podcast is such an honor for me. That is very nourishing to my soul. So thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to share, you know, my life, my heart, my soul with other people. That is the greatest gift, the greatest honor. Thank you, Sharon.
Beautiful. Thank you, Tamar. And um, obviously we'll have contact information and tune in and, and uh, listen in to other inspirational people in the upcoming episodes. Tamar, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, honey. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation. And I'm Ras Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to hoffmaninstitute.org.